We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Andrew Claudio here with another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast coming at you on a Tuesday night at time of recording this intro. It is 11.08 p.m. So we are recording this at the very last possible moment before you get to hear today's episode in which you can hear by the description of today's episode is a doozy. We thought there would be some evergreen content still to go while the guys are still on vacation. That's right, guys, collectively, John and Jeremy are taking a little break because uh, we thought we'd have a little more time to take a break this summer. And boy, were we wrong. First of all, the episode you're about to hear is with Peter Schrager of Good Morning Football. He was nice enough to give his thoughts on the 90s Knicks when he was watching and also to answer all of my questions about whether I should or should not be optimistic about the New York Jets. Uh, More on that later, whether I should be uh, optimistic about the Jets. If you're a Giants fan, I made sure to ask him some Giants questions too. Uh, He's a good dude with a lot of uh, a good story and a lot of good insight on the media world at large. More on that later. But instead, uh, if you can't tell, um, I'm hosting this week. It was supposed to be Claudio week on the KFS pod. And who else would I get to be my first guest than the guy who normally hosts this pod? Because guess what? It's not evergreen. There's news to talk about. So joining me now for this intro, the host of the KFS podcast, Mr. Jonathan Macri. John, how are you today, sir? Welcome from your vacation. Speaking of the Jets, you know, I drafted a Jet in my first I, I do. I'm in two fantasy leagues still one, one of which is a dynasty auction league. Mm-hmm. And I got 
someone with the last name of Wilson, who apparently is not the quarterback. It's no, a wide receiver. The wide receiver. He's going to be good. Yeah, I got him for a buck at the end of the a buck or two bucks, uh, $200 budget at the end of the draft. I'm very excited. I know nothing about this person. He could walk in my living room right now, but I, I guess he was drafted highly. And he's like you say, he's going to be good. So I'm excited about that. Also. Where did, did did the name Brees Hall come up? He, at all? I think he was. That's the running back. Yes. Yes. He was. He was the first rookie, I think, that was drafted. And he went for went for a few dollars. Not not as much as I got Najee Harris for last year, which was good. Good investment by me. But he went for, I don't know, 15 bucks, something like that. 15, 20. I don't, so it was decent amount. Very highly projected. You'll hear it when I guess our listeners will also hear it when I talk to Peter about it. But the the Jets are not in like going to accomplish anything significant this year, but the culture of playing close games is what should be the goal. So it's, it's a weird way to put this, but if they cover a lot of their games this year, I think I'll be satisfied. Even if it's like a six and 11 year in which the, you know, there's 11 losses. If there's 10 covers, I'll be satisfied because it means they're not getting blown out in every game anymore. I didn't have you. I did not bring you on here to talk about football, though, John. Uh, but I, uh, well, we're, I thought we were going to have a, a culture conversation. Is that, that now we're... Culture, yes. Because, you know, culture won out over in well, Brooklyn. You, I was about to say, you should you should tell this. So, can I tell the story? Yeah, go ahead. So, so yes, as Andrew says, I'm, I'm on vacation. I was on vacation last week. I was legitimately, like, away, although I was mm-hmm. still in the state of New York. I went out east for the week with my family. But then I was back. And, but Andrew, being the amazing producer that he is, is like, take another week. You could use it. His his nice way of telling me I'm I'm burnt out. Um, recharge your batteries was yes. the nice way I said it. <laughs> yes. So, of course, my, my way of recharging my batteries today was to take the family to Sesame Place. Um, and so the Durant stuff dropped and I texted you and I'm like, hey, we should record whether a Patreon pod or an intro or something just to to discuss this, um, you know, tonight. And then and that was what we were going to talk about. And then I guess what, about an hour and a, a couple hours ago, a couple now. hours ago. Yeah. Yeah. So Ian, Ian Bagley drops the uh, I don't know. Well, I guess that's a good place to start. Like how. How big of a deal is this to you? If they're legitimately, we should say what it is, by the way. So well, you so, want to say, yeah, well, the report is that the Knicks are. Uh, the Jazz are asking for RJ Barrett, and the Knicks are considering putting RJ Barrett into an, a Donovan Mitchell trade, which has yeah. not been part of the calculation for the entirety of this process so far. Um, I do, I do want to say that I don't know if it was uh, off the record if we didn't say it if we just said it to each other in in post, or if we actually did say it on a pod in the past. But if RJ Barrett getting traded means you get to keep Grimes and quickly. I know part of the report was that it would be RJ plus one of the younger guys. Well, I feel like that's Leon, what Utah wants. Right. But like, I feel like Leon, if he's giving up his literal number one asset, could negotiate down, like, I'm giving you RJ, like that. Yeah. And then all the picks you want should be enough. So you could then go to war with, you know, the, the, guy, the kids that you're keeping and then the picks that you still have left and Donovan Mitchell. Um, that should be the, the plan going forward, at least the pitch going forward. Uh, I, I mean, the first question I guess I have for you is, you know, what are your thoughts? As well, I, you, we joke about like, why do you hate RJ Bear? But I feel like you do actually do get unfairly pegged as the RJ hater here at KFS because of like a mailback question you answered two years ago. 
And I do think you actually have made a good case for there's a path to like a one to two time all-star, but can be the second or third best player on a, on a really good team that has championship aspirations. And the thought of trading him a, a cornerstone prospect that is near and dear to the fan base's heart. What is your initial reaction? So my, my initial reaction first and foremost is not one of surprise. Um, And I, touch on this a bit in Wednesday's newsletter, but you know, and all correct. Obviously Ian Bagley's the best. He's the best bar none. There's nobody better than him with getting this stuff out there and like really never being wrong. And I still remember a pod I did with him like a couple of years ago in which he like remembered one instance in which he, he reported something that wasn't like wrong, but it was like, it turned out not to be completely true. Mm-hmm. And it still ate at him. Like this is rock solid. Um, and I preface what I'm about to say by that because like I decided to write 4,000 some odd words on RJ Barrett over the course of the last two days, Monday and Tuesday. And the prospect of like, should the Knicks consider trading him and why should they consider that? That wasn't random. And that wasn't because of a snippet in a Berman article. Like I had caught wind of something over the weekend in a way that I couldn't come out there and be like, Hey, you know, the Knicks are thinking about this and that's why Ian's Ian and I'm fucking me. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, all credit to him. It's not surprising. Um, and I think like I have several takeaways. One is like, we're doing this trade value list for the Patreon pod right now. And what are we up to 30? Yeah. And, and RJ hasn't come up yet. And how many like, young-ish cornerstone players have we gone through out of those 30 names? I don't know. A bunch. 16, 18, whereabouts, right? 15, something like that. He's not in that category of player. And I I think even the biggest RJ fan out there and God, I mean, I had so, and credit to him, he writes me comments every day on the newsletter. So an older Knicks fan is like, I wouldn't, I would only trade RJ if Utah was kicking in draft equity. <laughs> like there are people out there who like, they wouldn't do RJ for Mitchell yeah. straight up. And, and I, I respect that because he's New York. He's ours. He's New York's. He's like, we've had over the last, since Ewing, there have been two possible homegrown drafted stars. One yeah. turned out to be a guy that everybody now hates in Porzingis. And this is the other guy. That's it. Those are the only two. Those are the only two guys. Um, so the prospect of giving him away for a t- and to form a team that's not a contender and that like sh- shit, if they, especially with the Durant news, they could trade RJ for Donovan Mitchell and, and not even make the playoffs next year. They could be in the play in. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's what people are like. There's so much that goes into this. But the fact is that. Like there were three rookies in his class that got offered a max within the first whatever it was, 48, 78 hours, 72 hours of free agency. Darius Garland, Zion Williamson, and John Moran. And several months ago, Mike Vorkanoff pulled, or not Vorkanoff, that was that was Fred Katz, pulled, I think it was 16, right? Execs? And how many of those 16 said they would give RJ Barrett the max? Zero. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what he is. It's not any shade to say that he is not in the caliber of prospect or player that you put as off-limits if you're talking about a trade for a guy who I know he's never made an all NBA team, but he's come damn close a few times. And I think even his biggest critics would acknowledge 
that offensively he's in the conversation, one of the 10 best players in the sport on offense. So all that being said, I, I, I think we should be cautious moving forward with the notion that like the Knicks are out on RJ or like, they don't believe it. I think this is like all this stuff. This is the reality of all this stuff is all of this lives in the gray. You know, it's never black and white. Mm -hmm. And like Tibbs doesn't hate RJ. Leon doesn't hate like nobody hates RJ. They're just trying to make the best possible team. And the last thing I'll say, and then I'll turn it back to you and we can take it wherever you want is like, (laughs) there's, I saw a few because I was scrolling Twitter before just to kind of get a sense of where people are at on this. And predictably, most people are like, please, God, no, which is kind of funny to me that like, you know, when it's when it's a line in a bourbon piece, it's like, oh, bourbon's on his shit again. But Bagley and, uh, says it. Yeah. What? <laughs> but yeah, Bagley it, says well, it. Well, it, with bourbon, it's like, bourbon's on his shit again and fire Tibbs. Uh-huh. Bagley says it, it's like, well, wait a minute. We've been we've been standing for this front office that, uh, you know, chestnut checkers for the last two months of this Mitchell saga. Now, what do we do? Um, you know, and, and people are as they should be like very unnerved because, and this is the thing that's changed is I I've kind of, I now spend like however many hours of my day, like analyzing and thinking about this shit. Once upon a time, if I had read something that the Knicks had were contemplating offering RJ Barron a trade, it would have, I would have been a fucking basket case for a week or weeks and like had heart palpitations and be like, Oh my God, my franchise is not all in and our best young player. What do I like? This is, and the more like that's the one thing that's changed since I've been doing this is like I still obviously live and die by the team winning and stuff, but I become so analytical when it comes to the building the team part of it. That mm-hmm. I that that part of it has escaped me, which is sad in a way, but it's a reality. Most fans, that part, most diehards, that part has not escaped. So I think that's the sentiment where it's like, and 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 corresponding with that is fans will never forgive this front office if they trade him. Yeah. To which I say, forget about RJ being an afterthought if this team is like 2-2 in the first round of a playoff series and it's the last five minutes of a game and, and, and Donovan Mitchell has like 40 points. Forget about that. If they start out the season 14-6 and six, and people in New York are... And I'm not talking about Knicks Twitter diehards. I'm talking mm-hmm. about people, just people in New York are talking about the Knicks. Like... You want to talk about Leon Rose isn't going to care. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, is he not going to care? Because what does he want? He wants to make the Knicks into a winner, and he wants the Knicks to matter again in a way that when we are in our Knicks bubble, we forget that, like, yes, this Matt, this is the, the world and the universe to us. But to so many New York sports fans, it's like, Oh, I'm going to pay attention to the Yankees if they're a Yankee fan, or I'm going to pay attention to the Mets if I'm a Mets fan. Oh, it's, you know, how are the Jets and Giants going to be? Oh, the Knicks. Yeah, they, they were a cute story a couple of years ago, but they stink, right? Like, that's, I don't know what percentage of sports fans in New York who like our quote unquote Knicks fans feel that way. And guess what? If they get Donovan Mitchell, that starts to erode away. And that's who Leon Rose wants to get. And I'm sorry, but he's not going to give a shit if, if Knicks Twitter is with the pitchforks and the, and the torches. If they trade RJ, he's like, they're not going to care as an organization. They will care if he turns into a fucking all NBA player. Mm-hmm. They'll care about it then, which is what that's where the conversation should be. Is it should we be selling low on this guy and what could he be? I'm not here for not that I'm not here for it. Obviously, I'm here for it. sitting here talking to you. But like the other the other stuff is like less interesting to me. 
So I have a, a couple things and I, like a lot of counterpoints came up while you were, were talking that I'm please you know, hope. Well, I hope I remember the, the he's ours part of this. I empathize with so much like John, I, I, you know, I always have to bring it back to baseball. Um, yes. Jacob DeGrom can opt out and be a free agent this summer. And there's legit fear that um, he may leave. And he's the best pitcher in baseball. I know. And so there, like, there's, there's, there is a leaked report, or I guess a, 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 a rumor out there that he may go to Atlanta, which would, would break me if Jacob DeGrom goes to a rival, let alone to another team. And someone said to me, if they let DeGrom walk, but they trade for Shohei Otani, would I be okay? And I gave an honest answer. I was like, no, like I want, like, he's our guy. I want him to retire in our uniform. Now, look, you're right. That's Jacob DeGrom. But like, I empathize with the fact that he's our guy. I got to see him grow through our system. I believed in him when he was younger and like more of a phenom than RJ, to be honest. But like, there's more... You're, you care about these kids more. Like the reason Emmanuel quickly got so much push to be the starting point guard yeah. when we were doing these cap or no caps for Jalen Brunson was because we drafted him where Jeremy has always made the point. If we drafted Jalen Brunson, we'd have just as much affection for him and what he could be than that we do for Emmanuel quickly. I empathize with that, that part, at least I know you. So do I. I think I empathize with the he's untouchable part. Like I get into this for more than just um, for just watching this team trade for players to win a championship. I want them to win with our guys. Like watching a kid develop under the Knicks is what I'm here for. That's what I, I understand. I, I, I am with you on that 100%. Where mm -hmm. I will push back to your pushback is there... <laughs> I, I hate to put it this way because this this is what makes me come off like an RJ hater. There are 20-ish teams around the league that have a guy that you could say that you could justifiably take that position on mm -hmm. either now or at some point when Steph was younger, when Kawhi was younger, when I'm, I'm you know, like Ja now or, you know, like Garland's not quite there, but like Garland's close where it's like he's our guy and we can reasonably mm -hmm. and objectively foresee a world where he is one of the two most important players on a championship team. And yet, and yet, I've been listening to this RJ discourse or the sorry, this Donovan discourse for a month and a half. And the most prominent point that I feel like continues to be made is, well, if we get Donovan, Donovan, where are we getting the second star? And that is from every corner of this discussion. So if that is coming from every corner of this discussion, like where's the Venn diagram? Like if we, if, if everybody is concerned about getting the second star, but RJ Barrett is the untouchable cornerstone. It's not like the our, second star. Yeah. It's not those two things do not. And I, I like, I, that doesn't mean you should want to trade them or that doesn't mean you should be upset if they do like you shouldn't be upset if they do trade like all of these things are true but the reality of building a team that could can, can contend for a championship is you need stars we are one of the unfortunate few teams that have not been able to draft a out and out like no doubt about it this guy's making four five six all nba teams in his career type of guy most teams in the nba have that sort of player either They've done it already or they are projected to do it. 
It's just the reality. So how do you get that guy? And it's why one of the other, not counterpoints, but just what I think we've done a good job is not necessarily advocating for a front office move. Like Jeremy just, like, I don't think he's ever going to admit that the Randall extension was bad. He'll just always, and like to his credit, he came closer the other day, like the KD with, guys. with us, like I thought yeah. I got him. And then he was like, I mean, he had a bad year, but Charlotte can still make a move. And as he raises his value, like to Jeremy's credit, like go talk to a Suns fan. I was like, about to say the Suns report, <laughs> like they're, they're Correct. potentially yeah. ready to trade for Julius Randall. And Absolutely. they're like, maybe we could only, we could get him for only one pick. And it's like, wait, you're going to give us a pick for Julius Randall. Like <laughs> I'll drive him to Phoenix. But like, I think we've done a good job for, for our, like the, to somewhat bat pack, bat back pat us that we explain like why this is happening. And RJ, a year away from a potential extension, technically extension eligible now. Yeah. Do you want to, do you want to extend him or see if he becomes somebody or if the calculation Leon Rose is making is there's one basketball. I have Jalen Brunson already here and it's easier to like, like the team building exercise of it. It's also like a vote of confidence in Obi and quickly and all these other guys that are better off ball. You know, and it's like I, I talk when I talked to Peter Schrager, he asked me about RJ and I said, like, there's some efficiency questions, but like he averaged 24 a game from January 1st on or December 31st on. And that's what you hope is that the efficiency uptick turns that into 26 a game. And like the high volume that he has will eventually um, look, get more to league average. So that way he's not just like high volume as a result, high numbers guy. Can um, I be honest and say, I think because if they trade for Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell isn't going anywhere. Um, Jalen Brunson is not going anywhere. Like this notion that like they're going to flip Jalen Brunson. Not under like, this front office, no. Jalen, yeah. Front it, office, no. If the front office all gets fired, then that different story. As long as Leon Rose is here, Jalen Brunson is going to be yeah. here. If if he if as long as he wants to be here, if he doesn't want to be here, then maybe I guess that's a different story. But so that's that's. Two guys, one of which has been the highest usage guy at his position for the last, whatever it is, two, three years. And another guy who is going to command at least as much usage as he did in Dallas, right? If, if not more, I mean, you're paying the man 25 or $26 million a year. Okay. And we all could agree that the Knicks brass is intent. First and foremost, this is what this is what these deliberations, these negotiations have been about from day one. And it is what they will be about until day zero or day whatever, day Z, when they, when they ultimately make the trade. How much could, do we have left in the tank to make the next trade? That is what mm-hmm. it has always been about. It's the only thing it's always been about. And that is for that next start. So that guy is going to get whoever that is, whenever he comes here, going to get a lot of usage too. If RJ doesn't go out in this deal, guess what? He's going on that deal. Yeah. Like, again, this is the reality of the situation. If the Knicks have their druthers, if they don't have their druthers, then none of this will happen. I think that's the why that I'm enticed by, though, is why? that. Look, I don't want to trade RJ Barrett. I'll just like come out and say it. I'll under. But like, fine. The fact that, and I don't, I'm not even saying that you would either. I just, I think we're, we're doing a good idea or we're doing a good job of explaining why. And it's that if you put RJ Barrett in a deal, 
then the price of assets that you're trading, the price of picks should go down. And it's well, the only reason you trade them. And as a result, you now have more, you know, pieces in your treasure chest that. for the next deal, which is why what you've been writing in the newsletter the last few days is less about advocating for it. It's more explaining like, so if you did the easier way to bring the price down of the jazz offer or the jazz uh, from what the Jazz want is to include your best asset, which up until now the Knicks hadn't included. And, and ultimately, why I'm skeptical that RJ is going to end up in this deal is I don't. The reason for Leon to put him in the deal is, as we've just been talking about, it takes enough materially, like the important shit, off the price tag for Mitchell that it leaves him that much more in the tank to make the next trade. I don't I have I struggle to see a world where Danny Ainge values RJ. How can I put this? Because he would have to value RJ at in in my personal estimation at like he's going to hit his 75th or 80th or 85th percentile outcome Mm -hmm. because that's the valuation that's going to get materially less off the trade package. And I, why is Danny Ainge going to do that? I don't know the answer to that question. Maybe he just sees something in RJ and that, and you see something in RJ, in which case every Knicks fan should be really worried because I think Danny Ainge is a good talent evaluator. Um, but I don't, I, I have, that's the hurdle I can't get over. So then where where do you see this headed? Or I mean, listen, you're talking about what you got, you caught word of. So you have obviously been hearing more things than yeah, us casuals, you know? No, it, please. I'm I, I'm a casual trident. You're an informed casual, if you want to call it that. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> um, I don't think they trade him. I think if if we're go- if we're judging the front office based on precedent, mm-hmm. it feels like. The moves that they make are those in which more like there's a majority that are pulling in a certain direction. And it feels like when they can't get a sizable, this is my kind of reading into just a lot of shit that I've heard over the last two years and stuff that's been reported. It feels like that if, it, if there isn't a significant majority towards a certain plan, mm-hmm. they just won't do anything and they will just continue on the path. And I, I struggle to see a world where A, Ainge has that sort of valuation and B, enough people within the, the team's brass are like, we are comfortable projecting that RJ is essentially never going to never going to be like even in the all NBA conversation. Because I think if you think because really, like I think back to when the when the Celtics didn't trade Jalen Brown for Kawhi Leonard. And like there was a real, I feel like tug of war at that time, and ultimately Ainge stood fast, and I, I think he's happy with that. And Jalen Brown's, you know, is he going to make an All NBA team? I don't know. Would it shock you if he did at some point? Made one, made two. Second best player on a finals team, like that's he's got that he's got that claimed. I get it. Like the system is. It's more a really it was second a really best good team. But it was a really good team. Who's the second best player on the Celtics? He, and he was the first, arguably the first best player in the finals. Right. So he'll be able to have that claim to fame forever at this point. I, I don't 
again, I have not pulled, I've not spoken to a single GM about this. I, this is my, this is my guess. My guess is if you pulled 30 GMs and you're like, and you ask them, is RJ now the same type of prospect or at the level of prospect that Jalen Brown was after three years? I don't think you'd get many yeses. That's my assumption. It's just my assumption. I could, could be dead wrong. Um, and so, man, I, I, it's tough for me, but I don't think they trade him. I think they figure out another way to get the deal done. I do think they get the deal done. I think it ends up either involved, either becoming a three-team deal or like in essence becoming a three-team deal. Like who knows? Maybe the pick, maybe, maybe the Phoenix stuff is real. Maybe they do want Julius Randle. Now that the, <laughs> now that the thing that we were going to talk about today, the KG I was gonna say, is the that's table. the only other thing I, I wanted to, to talk well, to you we'll, about. We'll we can talk about it in a second. Yeah. Yeah. But like, whatever, maybe whatever. Now that that's out, out of the way, maybe if, whether it's an actual three team deal or it's like in essence, three team deal and they get another trade asset, like maybe, maybe that's enough to get the additional draft conversation. So New York keeps as much draft conversation to feel comfortable making the trade. Um, but man, I like if you're sitting here right now, ask me like, do, how how confident am I that like RJ Barrett's going to be on the team next year? Like, I'm, I I think he probably will be. One way or another, I think they get Mitchell. I've thought that for a month and a half. I think I think one way or another, Donovan Mitchell's going to be a Nick, and that fourteen and six start you're talking about. Um, my fear is the other way. Like, what if they start eleven and fifteen? And whoever they traded has like one good game. And that's what I'm not even caring about Nick's Twitter about how I'll feel that they traded for Mitchell and all of the fears we had about the defense are a concern. You know, they couldn't find like the, they couldn't find a suitor for Randall. So it's even I, more frustrating. I it's why the, the Randall piece of this actually is more not important to me, but I guess it's more fascinating I mean, they want to move them. So as a result, like if you're telling me that in order to make room for a Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brunson centric offense, you have to trade both Julius and RJ, which means Grimes starts, which means Toppin probably starts. Although (laughs) imagine Tim. Melo ain't starting. No, no, no. Imagine Tim starts Jay Crowder. (laughs) (laughs) I actually don't think that I, I. I don't think you would. I think uh-huh. you, I think you would. I think you would start Obi in that. Okay, scenario. good. Just making sure. I'm just telling you. You can I bring our text on air? Not 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 the full detail. Just like John. Oh yeah, sure. Was already preparing himself for the way the day that KFS burns to the ground because he loses it on all of you that are complaining that Jay Crowder played 39 minutes over Obi who played yeah. 15. Even though I'd probably jump on now that we have uh, no, can, now that we have Streamyard. Yeah. I can just jump on no. and be like John. Obi Toppin played 15 minutes today. Can can I just say, I think the I think the no, the and I know there's been like conflicting stuff. I think that there is genuine, 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 real organizational belief in Obi Toppin. Mm-hmm. Not to the point where like he'd be a he'd be a deal breaker for Donovan. Not to the point where they're like all in on Obi Toppin and they think he's like God's gift. Like you know, some people may, but I do think there is real like. They really think they want to see what he could do and they want to give him a chance. And especially with not one, but two dynamic guards. I think that's that's really exciting. And I, I think he would 
I think he would start. I'm already getting excited about like Obi on the fast break because these two guards are like pushing the pace. But like know? that's and you could also I, like split them up that like now Donovan Mitchell's running the offense. Now Jalen Brunson's running the offense. But that's the thing is it's like just I, this is not I'm, what I'm about to say is not meant to be a commentary on RJ Barrett. And mm-hmm. I would like for everybody to try to have it not where, where's my t-shirt by the way where can we get these made why do you hate rj barrett we've t-shirt? been talking about it for we months, really need to me. <laughs> it's been in the it's been in the works put, don't worry put, put that aside if grimes is as, as good as we all see i i don't know anybody who doesn't believe in this mm-hmm. grimes thing i think grimes is real and i think he's gonna he's gonna be really good and i think he's ready to start right away he's there i don't need to talk about obi Put those two guys next to that backcourt with Mitchell Robinson as the backstop. And then off the bench, you have potentially Derek Rose, Emmanuel Quickly, Evan Fournier, who I think would still be here if he wouldn't be I, the salary filler. It wouldn't be RJ Fournier. Well, in in, in, the in, in, in the dream world, Julius goes to oh, LA. The three teamer. Uh, yeah, this and, is, in this case, it's either three or four teams because the Phoenix thing is real. Or so fine, he could go to Julius be, goes to said. I see what you're Julius saying. Julius goes, goes somewhere. To said, said third team. Gotcha. He's okay. the outgoing salary. We're probably um, sending Cam, I guess, to L.A. in this they, scenario. They like them some Cam Reddish, yes. And uh, and R.J. Barrett makes ten million dollars. So there's your outgoing salary, and that's actually it's actually too much outgoing salary. Um, so someone someone else might need to be coming back to. Actually, no. We could have less out. Uh, uh, whatever. I'm I'm getting myself twisted. Anyway, so Rose, quickly, Fournier, Mello, Dario Sarge, Jay Crowder. Pick your backup four, mm-hmm. and then Hardenstein. I mean, is that I don't know. Is that a top six team in the East? I I know it's a really fun team, and I know it's a it's a team that is I think is pretty good, and it's a team that it would have theoretically in this scenario more draft equity to play with moving forward. And again, if any one or two or three of the kids that we keep are anywhere near as good as a lot of people seem to think they are, well, then there's your, there's your, there's your plug in for the next trade. And it's, I mean, the, the blueprint is there. So that's why I can't dismiss the RJ stuff just out of turn because like, it's not, that hard to foresee how we get from here to holy shit then are the next contenders like i i that's not crazy we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. There's two sides of the coin here. There's like, if you trade RJ, that opens up minutes for quickly at the two. If you trade RJ, that like presents Quentin Grimes with more of an opportunity to do stuff as a creator. And there's your 30 minutes a night for Quentin Grimes. Exactly. So like there's that side. There's also, and I, I have to, there was a point during the season there before RJ got a little more, inefficient i should less efficient i should be be more specific about there was like a six-week stretch when rj was like close to 50 percent from the field like his effective field goal percentage was over 50 not for the season there's like a six-week stretch where rj was averaging close to 28 a game and like there's the miami game where he realized i'm getting every call so i'm going to the line yeah 14 of 22 from the free throw line isn't great but we looked at the percentage of free throws he was taking. And like, I think if you're that player getting more efficient in Utah is a nightmare scenario. Now, if the Knicks, like you said, if, if we move on and do great things with the current roster, fine. I'm just, I have to mention the other side of the coin that this kid going someplace else and becoming the, the version that was realized is a bit of a fear. The reason Laker fans don't care about how good Brandon Ingram has become is because they want a title. Otherwise, they'd be griping about how they traded so much for a guy that can't stay on the court, you know? So the thing with, with RJ and, and this, I mean, if you really want to get into the basketball of it, we don't, I mean, we don't have to make this a long discussion. But briefly, what I highlighted in the newsletter for Tuesday was looking at players that had uh, his significant usage, 25 or higher to usage rate on their rookie contract played at least a thousand minutes in the NBA for that season and had efficiency that ranked in the bottom 20th percentile for their position. Mm-hmm. And then outside of a few rookies, and again, that's rookies. RJ Barrett is not a rookie. RJ Barrett is a third year player outside of a few re- rookies and including a lot of rookies who went on to do not great things. It's not an inspiring list. And for him to turn around and eventually become a high efficiency, somewhat high usage player, it happens. And I, I pointed out a few examples of guys who it happened with. It happened with Drew Holiday. It happened with Kemba Walker. Um, and to a lesser degree, shout out to Benji, who wrote what I still think is the best RJ 
comp slash projection piece that I've read for the Strickland, it kind of happened with Andrew Wiggins. Not to the degree of those other guys I mentioned, but Andrew Wiggins now is in an overall efficiency standpoint. Last several years, he's been at least above 50%, you know, 50 in, in like the low 60s, whatever it is. RJ was in the 20th percentile yeah. this year. So, and I'm looking for somebody tweeted out, Ursan, Ursan uh, Demir tweeted out earlier, I think it was today or yesterday, um, something about RJ. Yeah. Of all players with above 200 rim attempts, RJ was second worst finisher in the league. Uh, 54.9%, 441 rim attempts. Of all players with 100 or more rim attempts after the All-Star game. So again, this is where we were all saying future, you know, All-NBA, this, that, and the other thing. R.J. Barrett was the league's worst finisher at the rim on 185 attempts. I think we are making a lot of what happened after New Year's Eve, which mm-hmm. is when he became a 30 usage guy and he averaged whatever he averaged, 23, 24 a game. And uh, most importantly to me, he was getting the line seven and a half times a night. That to me is the thing. If I'm the Knicks and I'm holding on to him, that's what I'm hanging my hat on. On one end of the floor on defense, I don't have a great on-ball defender. And again, shout out to Benji. Talked about this in the episode the other day. But I have a guy who I know, like you, an NBA champion could, could, could championship team could win on defense with RJ Barrett being one of the reasons they went on defense. He has, he does a lot of really nice things, even if he's not great on ball. And then on the offensive end, just his ability to get downhill and draw fouls and get to the line. Even if he tops out as like a 40th percentile, 45th percentile finisher at the rim. If he could combine that with the off ball efficiency that we saw in his second year, when after a dreadful first 10 games, he was kind of close to 50 percentile efficiency for the rest of like for the last 61, 62 games. Um, that's a that's a 25 to 30 million dollar a year player in the league. And it's a guy who can absolutely be a third best player on a championship team. That's why you don't trade R.J. Barrett if you think that that's and that's not hard to project either. So that's why I really do think this is a real deliberation for the team. I just, I don't know. It's not, it's not an easy, that's the only thing. Anyone who's making this out to be, oh, it's easy. Say yes. Or, oh, say no. No, it's not easy. It's not easy. This is tough. Um, I don't know what they do. So just to, to clarify what the stats I was mentioning earlier, because there's the, you hinted at most of the analytics and I just want to the 35 game stretch that I'm pointing to is the 31st of December to the 23rd of March, which okay. is a 34 game stretch. Okay. Um, 24 game, only 42% from the field. But as you mentioned, seven and a half uh, free throws a game, 36% from three on six attempts, 71% from the free throw line, which for RJ Barrett is a minor miracle. Um, and then six rebounds, three and a half assists. That's the player that a lot of Knicks fans are seeing as that 34 game stretch getting better. As you're mentioning the, the Benji saying like getting better enough that we're going to regret like not seeing it through with him. And it's why I guess the only other question I have is if the calculation you were making is like bet on RJ Barrett becoming that player or sell now while he's still on a rookie deal for Donovan Mitchell at age 25. What would 
Like, what would you do? I guess in this uh, scenario, man. I'm putting you on the spot here, but like, I, it's so tough to answer because it's it's impossible. There's there's an unknown here, which is if you don't include RJ, what are you giving up in the trade? And then what do you what do you have left mm-hmm. to trade? After you give up whatever you have to give Let up. Let me pause you there. If it's RJ, if literally just swap out the the Shams tweet that we got the other day, the report the other day that it was Fournier, OB, two unprotected, oh, so, three yeah. three protecteds. Swap out OB Man, for RJ. I think that's what, what the trade it. would be. Um, Man. I guess the question shouldn't even be would you do it? Are you more comfortable as a fan with that? It like I don't think any of us are going to be comfortable with whatever the Knicks give up. As I mean, if they give it up for one pick and if like, they me, if I they, think they'll be fine. But if they give, if they're two, if the two firsts that they give up, if they could trade RJ, let me let me take a step. Okay, a couple mm-hmm. things. If they trade RJ, I am I would not be okay with them trading another young player. I don't even care who it is. I would yeah, not be too. okay with them trading Obi. I would not be okay with them trading Grimes. I would not be okay with them trading quickly. That's number one. Two, they trade RJ. I would not be okay with them trading more than two unprotected first round picks. Three, if they trade RJ, I would not be comfortable with them trading any unprotected first round picks in 2027 or later. I think two first round picks have to be in, it it could be 23 and 25, but as Jeremy detailed several pods ago, more likely because of the picks that Utah already has coming in, it would be 24 and 26. I'd be comfortable if it's all that. Yeah, then I think I'm comfortable with it. Um, and then whatever, you know, protected picks need to need to go out as well. Be, you know, and then but then but then you're on the spot. If you're Leon, you're on the spot for like, okay, we saved all that. We just dealt away this guy who's good. I think I really do believe RJ is gonna make an all-star team, at least one. I think he's I and I would bet on more than one. Mm-hmm. We just traded away this guy so we could have this additional draft equity. Okay, now what are we going to do with it? And that conversation doesn't start a year from now. It doesn't start six months from now. It starts the day the trade is made. Yeah. And I mean, again, part of the part of the Donovan Mitchell conversation has been, well, if they don't get him, where's the next guy? Because there is no obvious next guy. Now, is there a calculation that once we get Donovan Mitchell, someone or multiple someones will emerge out of the woodwork and be like, holy shit, I can go to New York and I can play with that dude and Jalen Brunson and be like, yes, sign me up. I still don't have an obvious name. I mean, is it Jalen? Is it Jalen Brown? Jalen Brown's the first name I thought of. Is it? I mean, I don't know. Does Brandon Ingram get like, I don't know, not want to be third fiddle potentially, I guess, in New Orleans? Uh I I j- I don't know, I don't know, I don't know who that. I mean, the, I, I I'm, my my eye is always on Embiid. He's always been my dream. I gotta be honest, that's my my pipe dream. But I that's also I also dream. know that a trade wouldn't happen because Nick's just dealt with just dealt with Danny Ainge for the last summer. You want me to deal with Daryl Morey for a summer now? Like, I just don't see the deal. But I'm not. But again, that is not a that is not something that would happen. Right. I just don't this see season tra- or next season. Well, my I'm, point I'm, is, like in two years, I don't see Daryl Morey trading a superstar and not getting a superstar back. Well, Daryl like, Morey's track record once he's given it his best shot is basically like I'm gonna get the fuck. Well, out he of leaves. Now. So that's what you're saying. If in two years that the yeah. Sixers don't win at all, 
you know yeah i mean and he would he would pull the plug well he would pull the plug on himself and you yeah. know i mean and like look how many times in the nba have we said ah oh, would never happen would it never happen yeah what's something that everybody seems to kind of just be comfortable saying will will not happen oh Kawhi and pg13 then they're not going to leave la like i don't know aren't they under like Super maxes now, like they're they can both of them can hit free agency in two years, so that might be the play. Well, I'm I'm not I don't I but no I'm saying you're with the but plays, like but to but your point, we could be this two, Donovan Mitchell thing could be two years from now. He's 27. We've made the play in and then the playoffs, and we're that much more attractive to a potential guy that's coming here right before a TV deal. Spikes the cap. You, you know what? You know what my my point is. My my point is this: I know that if they don't trade for John Mitchell, you know what the percent chance is that Kawhi Leonard decides to leave the Clippers and, and come cross country to New York to try to win a championship. Zero, none doesn't exist. The only counterpoint I'll make is there is a, another guy in New Orleans. I know it's simpatico now, but he might rather play with R.J. Barrett, his college buddy, it, than. It, I'm not even he didn't like even uh, get a player up. I mean, that's a, I that's that's the conversation we were going to have tonight. Right. Yeah. It's like, where where does this leave the the, the NBA with Kevin the, Durant gone? The, the, well, Kevin Durant off the table. Well, no, I wasn't even going to say that. I was going to be where, where does this leave the age of player empowerment? Oh, I don't think it leaves it anywhere. The next guy that wants out just I know sure about that. Um, I mean, I asked you this on Patreon, like has player empowerment gone too far because we thought it the Brooklyn situation was such a cluster. I just, you and I he didn't get what he wanted because he's a, no, because there's the so many like, elements. You want to sit out, sit out. Yeah. And he's like, he I think he, he didn't have, I don't think he has the leverage that we alleged that we alleged to think that a guy of his stature should have. He's a guy coming I, off. Like you're the Listen, we're all, we all collectively have talked about how that Celtic series went that is the first sign of aging that we've saw in Kevin Durant. He's also coming off an Achilles injury, which is debilitating. And a guy that doesn't play more than 50 games a season, holding a team hostage for an entire summer. I'm like, I'm proud of Steve of Nash and Marks and Cy for being like, like what leverage do you think you have in holding the fort? I also think we we've seen this in NBA history before. Scotty Pippen didn't get traded. Kobe Bryant didn't get traded. Granted, none of those happened during the quote unquote player empowerment era, but like Jason Tatum a year from now wants to get traded or whenever he's like two years away from free you're, agency. You're ignoring one key thing. What's up for several years now, people like me have been like the, the, the precedent is two years when you are two years out, that's when you could force it. And you know why you could force it when you're two years out because you're two years out mm -hmm. and you get close enough that if the team dicks around and say, no, we're not trading you. Well, then all of a sudden you go from two years out to one year out and no one's going to give you what you want because you only got the guy for one guaranteed year. If it's two years out, then there's enough. You could do enough juice. Durant was four years out. Right. The reason I'm going on, I'm saying all this is because Zion Williamson is now six years out. <laughs> six. Right, that's fair. So Zion is <laughs> so like the Zion thing, I guess, is the ultimate pipe dream. I think player empowerment is still alive and well the only yeah, player four years out that 
has gotten traded is Ben Simmons. Four years plus out is Ben Simmons. Which and that was which we've talked about. That doesn't such don't, specific doesn't circumstances that it doesn't really apply to the next guy. No. Um I, I think player empowerment is is safe and fine. I think the idea that anybody with four years left on their contract and the team having knowing that the best option for this person is to go back to his current situation. Um as far as basketball is concerned. Uh, like they, they played their cards correctly and yeah, they won. Um, with that in mind, if Zion really is off the table, then I don't, yeah, I don't see anybody wanting to go play with RJ. Although LeBron James was very complimentary of RJ <laughs> when they played the Lakers earlier this season. Listen. <laughs> and if the Knicks keep that pick, if when the, Knicks keep his, pick. the pick that Bronny James is in the draft for, oh my God. You know, and he's there, and LeBron is a free agent, and Melo's still around, and that's I I think Dwayne. We could probably get Dwayne Wade out of retirement. What's the rest? Of, so Chris Paul at that point would be forty. No, I think he's still under. Oh yeah, he's probably so 40. they they might be. That's an expiring deal in in New Orleans, and then there's your bench. But all back. I, not not to bring it back to Donovan Mitchell. I have uh-huh. like one last point on it, like. You you're obviously joking about about that aspect of it. Hundred percent, yeah. The history of guys demanding trades and and demanding out is generally those those guys are on the older side, and that is why typically they are not the first. Not typically, they have never been the first guy in the door. It's always the second guy, or in some cases, the third guy in the door. Um. That's what makes the the Mitchell thing so unique, and also the fact that like the supermax, like the supermax has now kept over the last several years has kept guys in their cities, yeah, because they don't want to turn down that that extra money. Mitchell hasn't made All NBA yet, and now I think especially with the Gobert trade, like the the like, there's a good chance he doesn't make it so like he's in that it's it really is such a unique sweet spot that he's in that he is a gettable and b like worth getting um and you know he needs not needs even necessarily but like you have to think that he wants to make at least one before this new tv deal hits i think i think he's Making one if he comes to New York, and I think he's, he's look. Julius Randall made one two years ago. Like you want to talk about the New York push? But my 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 main point mm-hmm. in bringing it back to Donovan is we've had conversations over the last few years about why a Damian Lillard trade didn't make sense, and mm-hmm. why and we went back and forth on the Chris Paul thing, and why is that? Because those players are older. If you have the young guy the young star in the door already here then the conversation about the next guy gets a lot easier because guess what if the next guy is on the older side it's like all right that's fine it's it's the final piece now yeah. ideally you want the that guy to be younger too and and honestly that's another thing that the rj that rj trading rj kind of takes off the table because again you're probably not getting a, a second guy that's like it's it's all of this is very complicated. Very complicated. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what's going to be the biggest concern and the conversation of, of, over the next few weeks is like 
if the whole point of including RJ is so that way you're not completely stripped of assets, like, well, then we're back in the same spot. Who are these assets for? And it's basically who's the third guy. And mm-hmm. what your hope is as a Knicks fan is that Leon Rose and this his team that he's assembled, uh, the great recruiters, that they believe that there will be somebody that comes and presents themselves over the next two years, and they will have They've recruited one guy so far. They have, I, 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 <laughs> and they're going to get dinged. Draft. Why do you hate Evan Fournier? Um, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> that's not the kind of. I know, believe me. Um, okay, so I th- the only other thing I had about Randall is the the aspect of um, now that Durant is off the table. Other teams potentially seeing him as a power forward option. The the Phoenix news or not even news, yeah. just conversation on the internet today was fascinating. Um, yeah. the, there's a, a thing out there that the Lakers might get involved now. What we've been saying for about a month that the Lakers might get involved in a three team deal. I feel like I've been writing about this since the trade deadline. So I know the Knicks. You've said it are, are shopping Randall and look are looking to get him off, but. You know, where do where do things stand for you right now? Do you think Randall is more likely than more likely to get traded from the Knicks than he was 24 hours ago? Um I hmm, is it is it more likely now that the rent is off the table? Yeah, I guess it's more yeah, sure. I guess it's more likely. Um look, I I think they want to move him. Fisher and, said it on our pod. The the Durant domino is going to have to fall before anything else can start yeah. to happen. It fell. It didn't fall with him on another team, but like it fell. So we're back in now. Like things are going to be in motion over the next couple of weeks, and you know we'll see what what that where that translates, and I, if that translates into Julius Randle deal. I the only thing that I could say with absolute certainty is I is that the Knicks do not see their idealized version of themselves moving forward as a team that employs Julius Randle. If Julius Randle is still here and, and taking up meaningful minutes and possessions on this team, mm-hmm. it's because of his value and it's because they want to pump up that value. And it's because of all kinds of different things. It's not because they have like some, some belief in him as like, Oh, he's going to rediscover, you know, what, what we saw two years ago. And, and no, that's not it. But I think he, I, you got it. I'll answer your question. I think he gets moved. Okay. So I think he gets think traded. Mitchell's a Nick are, and Randall's not. Yeah, a I do. Camp. Yeah. We'll see. That I think is the actual nightmare, by the way. What? Randall returns to not even all NBA Randall, but like borderline all star Randall on a different team with less noise around him. Um, um now, granted, that team might be the Lakers, which is the opposite. You think that you think they hated Russell Westbrook? I actually let, let Julius miss a bunch of long twos. I mean, we heard uh, who was our guest a few weeks ago that said they lo- they love Randall there. Um, but um, they loved that Randall. They would would they love the version we saw last season? I got to tell you, I think in Fe- he would do well in Phoenix. I he think would he'd do. do well. yeah. yeah, I think because yeah, he'd have Chris Paul there. Chris Paul there. They. They love the mid range there, obviously. Mm-hmm. Obvi- although the, the guys they have taken those mid rangers are they two, make their mid range shots, best yeah, mid range sh- shooters in the league. Um, but no, I think the thing about Aiden is that, and that's why, like, you know, Jeremy and I talk a lot about like how valuable is a like. Do you really want that stretch five? Like, do you really want a five? He's like taking threes. 
when you have a five who could just do shit other than like what Mitch does here, it opens up so much for the other players on the floor. And I think if Randall went there, he, they, they would, they would get him more like kind of room to work. And he'd obviously, he would get a lot of one-on-one coverage. I think he'd look really good there. I don't think he'd make an all-star team, but I, I think he'd do well in Phoenix. And that's, I think they know that. And which is why I think they would give up a real, like something real. For, I mean, again, let's just shoot the shit. If it's Crowder. Sorry. Um, well, here's the thing though. And I was, I, I ran the numbers. The, the, the trade bonus complicates this so much. Like would Julius waive his trade bonus? I don't know, but um, it would have to be a three for one. You can't do it as a two for one. Even if you put in the two most expensive salaries, which would be um, Shamit and uh, uh, Crowder. You even then you'd need to include someone else. I I personally think Phoenix would probably want to do Crowder, who doesn't seem to want to be there, and Shamit because that boy talk about a con- that contract already looking bad and it hasn't even started yet. Um, mm-hmm. Extension hasn't even kicked in. Ideal trade partner for fitting trade partner for Julius, um, and then they have Tory Craig that they could throw in too for salary. Anyway, let's assume that's the trade. Um, what does Phoenix throw in? Do they like? Is their twenty twenty three first round pick enough? Um, if it's unprotected, and the Knicks then use that pick in the Mitchell deal, then like that's that I think is the dream scenario for a Knicks. Yeah, I, I, don't the, a Knicks. I don't think he cares about that. I think he. I think he'd be a lot very interested in Phoenix's twenty twenty nine. That's the thing. Pick. It's, it's <laughs> a, a Phoenix. Even like twenty twenty five. I think he'd be fine. Well, with. they wouldn't do it in the middle. They would either do actually. Right. I think he'd be fine with a Phoenix twenty twenty three pick. He's paid from Minnesota's. I think so. If you if you get two picks in the twenties and you have your own, that's I still think, three. Three shots at it, you know. I think the dream is to get Phoenix to do what Boston did in the Derek White trade, which is to trade. Uh, I think that was they their twenty twenty eight first rounder. Um, so something like that, where it's years yeah. from now, where you have no idea what the, where the team's going to be by then, and you yeah. hope it's bad. Yeah, um, that's what I would. That's what I would guess. But even like if let's put let's pretend the Mitchell thing blows up and they can't get Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Um, Still do this anyway. Oh, yeah. I think I, I got to be honest. I'm right there with you. I, I I will say. So, are these guys rotation pieces for the Knicks when they come here? Ooh, that's man. That's that's my fear. Is more veterans to play over guys that we didn't we we considered untouchables over the last month and a half for Donovan Mitchell. Well, the complicated piece there. This is part one of two, by the way, everybody watching and listening. There's what turned from a 20 minute intro is now a full episode. Thank you, John. The comp- I mean, we're getting into the weeds on this stuff. Here. The complicated mm-hmm. stuff there is the Shamit contract low key has or is already a really bad deal. Mm-hmm. He has four years and 42.5 years, uh, 42.5 million dollars remaining. Although, although last two years of that are, are non-guaranteed. So I guess it's not, it's not awful. Um <sighs> What I, the reason I thought about that is because like I don't think Shamit would play here. I think Shamit would be a guy who would be uh, what's t- it's situational. Um, so Frank, yeah, he'd be Frank. Okay, uh, Tory Craig, they you know same same deal if it was him. And so then you're only dealing with Crowder. So I actually don't think that would be a big that big of a deal because you just move Obi into starting lineup and Crowder's your backup. 
But what about Mello? Wow. Is Mello, is there a chance Mello doesn't play next year? Shut up. Oh, I'm sorry. Why do I hate Carmelo Anthony? I'm already upset about the Grom. Jeez. I actually don't think the Grom's going anywhere, but that's that's something to worry about in four months. Um, I will do my best John impersonate. This was fun. Um, <laughs> I appreciate you coming on and shooting this shit with me. You want me to right. plug or promote anything? Uh what what sh- what do we need to promote, John? Anything that I mi- did I miss anything, John? I don't, I don't know. Nothing. Um, John obviously wrote a lot of words on RJ Barrett in the Knicks Film School newsletter. Please go ahead and subscribe to it. Um, <laughs> you will not regret it. Uh, it's actually been something I've been like referring my uninformed Knicks fans friends to, and oh, it's like very kind of you. Fucking read this. Gosh, like reading works. Believe me, reading works. Um, I got a new book from the library yesterday. Did you? What'd you get? A book on the Warner Brothers. Ooh, that that actually sounds like fascinating. It's something I to take my mind off of all this crap would be fascinated it was, by. It was on my mind because I start on my vacation. I started watching The Offer on mm. Paramount. Okay, I watched the first two and a half episodes. Um, I don't have Paramount here at my house. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm invested enough in it to. <laughs> order it and continue watching. It was pretty uh-huh. good though, but it when, got me thinking about that era of old Hollywood. So we don't get in trouble. I'll give you my login when we get off of this. Okay. But don't tell anybody I'm going to do that. Okay. Have you watched the offer? No, I, oh, okay. I star Trek is on Paramount and my parents, you're going to get uh, past. I know your login is what you're going to get. I know you're a Trekkie. I know you're a Trekkie. I'm not a, easy there. Or my, they're Ms. a Trekkie. Mr. And Mrs. Claudio are Trekkies. Gigantic. Trekkies like there are are VHS cassettes of the original Star Trek The Next Generation with Captain Kirk and Spock and all them that I was not allowed to touch as a kid. That's wild. Yeah, that's how like committed they are. Um, I'm pretty sure my the three happiest days of my mom's life were four happiest days of my mom's life um, when she married my dad, when I was born, when my brother was born, when she met William Shatner. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Which, I mean, look, Mets win the World Series. I got competition for my engagement last year. Eh. Rosina didn't hear that. Um, anyway, thank you, John, for coming off a of vacation to uh, anger Knicks fans. Everywhere. Anger Knicks fans. <laughs> Hopefully it's not too angering. And we'll see what the next uh, last question timeline of this. I know if the Pat Beverly being included in this is real, he can't get traded. Until August, until August 30th at the earliest. So we might be looking at another week if this is a three-team deal. Do you see it happening without the Lakers in the next week? Or do you see this going into September? When does I mean, I think it happens before camp. Camp is in September something. Yeah, it's at the end of September. So is um, that is Labor Day like a soft deadline? No, Labor no, camp is much later than Labor Day. But I'm asking, is Labor Day a soft deadline? No, I think it takes. I I would. What is it? It's August twenty four. Yeah, I think it takes longer than that. Okay. Well, we will see. John, thank you for coming on. Thank your, you, Andrew Claudio. Your podcast. Thank you for that. Everybody listening, head on over to iTunes, give a five star rating and a review. Stay tuned to this feed. In fact, refresh your podcast feed because the second part of this episode should be available now. My conversation with Mr. Peter Schrager of Fox Sports and Good Morning Football, as well as an NFL sideline that you'll see very soon. Um, Until next time, which is in just a few seconds, thank you for listening, and we'll speak with you soon. 
Peace. 